Yeah, it's not something that um, I hide. It's just something that doesn't you know, come up a lot. Doesn't come up a lot. I do have to tell people, you know, that I deal with, um, you know, whether it's been, um, you know, TV or radio or even just something working with, um, you know, Lost Coast Pride. I have to tell people, hey, I have a brain injury. I do stutter. Um, I do. Um, go nonverbal, I do, you know, there are things, especially if I'm in a crowd, right? Um, I, I have a service dog, um, but I can't take him everywhere, which is unfortunate. But um, there's just some situations that he's not, it wouldn't be a good environment. Stuff like uh, the show and, and stuff like that, he would want to be Town. Hanging out with everybody. Right, hanging out with everybody, town greeter, you know, but he always makes sure he, he knows where I'm at. But um, so dealing with that is is a little bit different. Um, I'm sorry, you can pull yeah. this out okay. so you can lean back if right. you'd like. You're not going to break the standard. Right. So it's a little difficult um, sometimes with dealing with, um, you know, some of the things that I have to do. Um, Just that public persona you have to put right, out there a little bit. Right, and... I don't mind being social, but, um, and I don't mind being the face of Lost Coast Pride. I would rather that I be out and visible um, and and give people a face to, because um, most people think of, of someone who's transgender as a trans woman, right? Um, so giving it a face, giving it, you know, hey, here's your... Um, Here's your kind of example. I'm a trans elder, so um, it's been a, a little bit more difficult since my brain injury to kind of have to corral my thoughts and corral what I'm doing and and, and writing everything down. And um, you know, I, there's I'm sure people I've forgotten to respond to or whatever. So. Um, I try to keep up with it. So having my wife help me, you know, it has been tremendous. Huge. Yeah. Exactly. Do you mind if I ask what happened? What caused the brain injury? <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, <laughs> it's kind of like a, a boxer over time. I started at the age of, I was, must, must have been six, I think. I got kicked in the face by a horse. And from then on, it was, you know, getting knocked out or um like metal toboggans in the head and um uh, various things that happened to me during my service time um in the navy and then um a few years ago um, i have a problem with falling down so too as well because i have physical disabilities so um a few years ago i i i fell um, I had some medication that was new and it was causing my body and my brain to fight each other. And so uh, the next morning I got taken to the ER because I was all banged up and they took a CT scan on my head and they're like, do, do you know you have a brain injury? <laughs> I'm like, well, I do now. Um, and then it explains a lot. Um, my brain injury has symptoms like bipolar. So I get manic and I get motor mouth and I get just so frantic running around and then I have the crash. So it's, um, I'm now on new medication for that and whatever. So things are starting to level out. My brain just is not ever going to be the same. So it's like a, a, a boxer. 
lot of repetitive trauma. Repetitive trauma to my head. Yeah. Um, and you know, over time things have happened and I couldn't explain them. Um, and then, you know, with the diagnosis of a brain injury and, and, and that kind of thing, I was like, Oh, uh well now I get it. Right. So things have happened, meaning behavioral responses. Yeah. Behavioral, um, you know, when you get older, you start forgetting things. Well, I was going beyond that. So um, I would literally have someone look at me right in the eye and, and, and five seconds later, I'm like, what did you just say to me? Right. Because I didn't. And I and I heard them and I I understood what they said, but I didn't remember. So having some, you know, different behaviors explained, you know, like this is what a TBI is. Um, this is some of the symptoms you can get. This is your other symptoms you can get, or you can get a combination of this, that, and the other, and whatever. It just depends on your brain as an individual. So um, I've had to kind of readjust my life for that. And so this time around with fundraising, and I did it years ago when I was doing drag and reading. But this time around with fundraising and doing things, it's a little bit more difficult. Um, and so far it's really just me, my wife and one other person, um, who helps with the, uh, vendors. Um, and we do have some of our logistics, but we don't always need logistics. So I've been looking for a personal assistant for a while. Um, it doesn't seem to be coming out of the woodwork though. Um, cause it's not a paid job. My job's not a paid job for, you know, executive director of Lost Coast Pride. I do it because my community needs it. And so how did that start, Lost Coast Pride? What, uh, what uh, got you into that? Well, um, the first protest that happened a couple of years ago in Ferndale, um, they, um, it was really kind of this um, thrown together uh, last minute, hey, this, 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 Preachers, you know, uh, marquee is is just horrendous, um, and so it started as a protest, um, and then last year, I got asked three weeks before, <laughs> three weeks before actual pride to put it together, and I did. I was very successful at it, just for three weeks left, right? So. I was doing, you know, I had all these people that wanted to march. I had people that wanted to vend at the festival at the end. So this year, um, it's going to be huge uh, compared to last year. Last year, we had close to 300 people marching. And it continues to be a protest. The, it's not a parade. It's not a, um, you know, celebration of our existence. Um the march itself is a protest and it will remain a protest. Um, even if things change, it will remain a protest because there are always going to be people that view us as sinners, as horrible, you know, uh, uh, rumor is going around quite a bit, um, but they view us as, as, as unnatural, which is amazing to me. Um, so it's always going to be a protest. And at the end, when we're done, we have a festival. So we have vendors show up and we have, you know, people come in and, and, you know, have food out or do, you know, there's a, a that Ferndale at Fireman's Park, there's a, a picnic place, right? There's all sorts of stuff that they can do. Um, so, yeah, so the festivals, the celebration of who we are is at the end of that. 
And so it really started as this counter movement to yes. what was coming out of the church. Yes, yes, it did. It had the, you know, the church's marquee has, has you know, even since then caused problems. Um, what did the marquee say back then? Back then it said, been, uh, have you, uh, something, and I paraphrase this, um, to the effect of been hurt by the LGBTQ community, you know, find, find healing here. So I was like, hurt by the LGBT, what? So I just, I didn't understand. I didn't understand how that was a thing. Um, so it started as that and it really kind of upset of a lot of us because we don't go out to hurt people. Our community is not about that. It's about inclusiveness. It's about acceptance. It's about, um, being around the same people that, that are like us and those, you know, and, and allies, but mostly just community. So I didn't understand. Um, most of us have been hurt by the church, right? Uh, in general, especially part of the LGBTQ community, part of the queer community, we've, we've all been hurt by churches. And so this was, you know, something that was thrown out there out of the middle of nowhere. Right. I mean, was there, support for that from the community was this a community push against you guys or no it, it was, was just, the, just church? the church right and at that point you know when it got the church's sign got posted on social media there were some people that were like well you know you can ignore that sign well you know that's called privilege because if there's a queer person that comes into town from as a tourist because we get tourists all over all up from all over the world in ferndale right so um, when you say have a marquee like that, and mind you, it's not on the main street, but it is on one of the streets that people frequent. Um, it doesn't make anybody feel welcome, right? So the community was like, you know, it was divided at that point. Um, I think most people were still kind of wary about being supportive uh, and being out about being supportive. And so, like I said, it was privileged for someone to say, well, you can just ignore that sign. Um, well, no, you can't, because when you're a queer person, that sign is a beacon of you're not welcome here. You're not welcome as a human. So um, it wasn't the community so much itself, although they did make comments. And, of course, um, it was more of that church. And I think that... That was really the tipping point. Um, and you know, he, he's kind of done it himself. Um, Pastor Bromwell has. Um, put all this stuff out there, whether, you know, all since then, um, about um, LGBTQ and, and our drag shows and all this stuff about how it's going to harm kids and all this. It's A things. lot of it seems to be focused around the drag shows. Nowadays. Yes, they do. Um of course, there's be there will be stuff coming up for Pride, but yes, the drag shows are a huge thing. And where I when I started before I transitioned from because I was assigned female at birth, so before I transitioned, I was doing drag and reading, and this was in ninety seven, um, ninety six, ninety seven, and we there was never an uproar about drag queens anywhere, and that's in reading where it's conservative, um. You know, there was never an uproar. We had our shows that people brought their kids to our shows, you know, those kind of things. And 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 
now it seems to be this thing where oh you they're focused on that part of our community of someone doing drag and it doesn't matter whether it's a show for kids or whether it's just a drag show now we do drag shows all over Humboldt County that happens everywhere right but um because the first drag show that Lost Coast Pride wanted to put on was a family-friendly show. That's what really kind of, you know, uh, made everything hit the fan. Um, mm, it was um, it was announced before we even announced it. Um, you know, we have some people that uh, in Humboldt County and, you know, really still in California, nationwide, whatever, that um, feel that, that – someone getting and, and it doesn't matter whether it's a straight person or a gay person getting in a dress and um entertaining which is what it is is entertainment whether it's entertaining adults or entertaining kids it's all entertainment well i think a lot of the hesitation comes from that aspect of it being for kids as well i think that's where it mm -hmm. gets dicey for a lot of people it does um the thing is is that you know, I didn't pop out at the age of 18 and say, oh, now I'm queer, right? So I knew when I was a kid that I was a boy, right? So how do you you take away something that a, a, a child can see as representation? Um, it, the problem is, is that, you know, people are trying, trying to find something wrong with it. And they've sexualized it. But don't you think there is an argument that it could be perceived as sexual by nature as well? While depends. it may not be sexual for some of the performers, right. for others it very well could be. Well, it depends. An actual show for kids is an actual show for kids, which means um, any kind of um, Disney uh, you know, music, any kind of, and there's m m even modern music now that is for kids, and that's how they rewrote it, right? So, the costuming, the the music, there are no, there's no swear words. It's all G. It's all rated G. The costuming is above board. Um, it is literally not not gyrating like um. When you go to an adult show, right, you're expecting to see all of that. And so what people have done is what they've seen in an adult show or heard that happens at an adult show, and they've applied it to a children's show, right? And and that's not the case. If you do a show for kids, just like um, a drag queen story time, right, they're not gyrating. They're not doing any of that. They're dressed appropriately. They're made up and they're telling stories to children. Children are listening to these stories because you have an animated character in front of you that's making that story come to life as a as their character. Really, it's it's like um picking almost like picking a character in D and D and going with it, right? So, like the one we have coming up in April is an all ages show. Right. It's for kids. It's for families. And more often than not, the families that are coming um, are queer families that would like to have their children at an event because they're a lot of times they don't get that. Um, and, and then there's other families that are showing up with their children. Parents have charge of their children. Right. Parents are the ones that can say yay or nay, whether or not they're bringing their child to a show. 
to protest the fact that somebody has a show when it's parental, it's up to the parents. It's not yeah, but we have some them. overarching principles that remove those rights from the parents, right? You can't take your kid to a strip club. No, you can't. No, you can't. You can't take your kid to a bar. You can't do any of that. But if you've got a kid show, like, for instance, one of the performances that's happening is Hakuna Matata, um, you know, with Pumbaa and Timon in costume. Um, those are what we're having. We're having somebody do... Um, a, a, a grease number. We're having somebody do, you know, there are, and there'll be costumes where it's appropriate for children. Even your costume, if you're going to take off a robe or something, the costuming underneath has to be, it has to cover you. Um, there's no, you know, getting up there and, and, and yeah, there's dancing, there's performing, there's lip syncing, but there's no getting up there and doing what you do in an adult drag show. Right. Um, and we're making this more of not just a show, but a festival. We'll have food trucks there. We'll have vendors there that are all kid appropriate, um, you know, all family appropriate. So people have made a big deal out of having these, you know, drag shows for kids when the drag shows are are. are literally how we're doing it there's i mean there's not even tipping at this drag show right performers are being paid so that they don't have to be tipped um we don't want any of that we don't want that's a tradition that adults have to show respect for the performer right is giving tips that's not something that kids and a lot of kids do know that they do know that that's a thing but this is not something we want to have at this show. We want the kids to be able to really enjoy the show without worrying about, oh, can I give a tip or making it look like a, a, any kind of strip club. I flat out refuse to make it look like that. And so do the rest of the people that are helping us plan this show. Um, you know, there may have been other shows uh, prior to this that um, in, in cities or whatever th that it may have come up where it wasn't appropriate. Um, well, Redwood Pride was the last one that was kind of called into question for being appropriate for kids, right? Right. That was the last one being called into question. And w I personally know the person that got filmed for that. And, um, you know, it, it, it was amazing how they went looking for any kind of motion or movement during that show to make it seem like, and, and they and they didn't film the whole thing, um, and they they only fil filmed parts where they thought, you know, oh, you're gyrating, you're showing your crotch, you're doing whatever. They were literally set out to find all of that. I knew they were. They were. They had people outside distracting with the protesting, and a guy with cameras on each one of his phones on each one of his shoulders, and he's going in and he's filming on this on purpose, getting up in the performer's face. Um, Are we talking about Donnie Creekmore? Mm, mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. From um, Lost Coast. Populist. Populist. Yeah. Yeah. So purposely went in there looking for stuff, um, you know, and in there, I, I don't think it, it, it had occurred to any of the people who put it together that, you know, the tipping is, is, is part of the part of the problem because it just makes it seem more like a strip club. Right. Which I will totally agree with you. But um, 
there was no inappropriateness. It was sought after, right? So they didn't film the whole thing. And, and, and here's what I don't understand. They're so look, look what's these children being, you know, um, exposed to all of this. Well, they never had any of the parents permission to film. I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, from mm. Donnie's footage, I have seen, I believe it's two parts, mm -hmm. and I have seen the first part, and it seemed like it was continuous throughout the whole first portion of the performance, and he was just in the back, standing there. It didn't look like he was engaging. It seemed right. like he was being more engaged with by the performers and people trying to get him out of there. Well, they were, because he didn't have permission to film children. But I believe it's a public, of, it's like at a public park, right? So you can't well, exclude people. It, it, but Here's the thing. It was inside the building, right? Um, now, mind you, it was a public thing, but people who were there were queer families that had their children with them. Um, and I personally, it doesn't matter to me whether it's public or not, right? I personally don't have the permission to film someone else's child. That gets put on the internet. And then you're putting that child's face on the internet, right? So, like our show in April, there's no filming unless it's uh, authorized. We have a couple of people who are are um, filming their performances, just the stage itself. Um, but there's no filming. There's no picture taking. There's none of that. Um, it will be posted. People will. Um, there will be bag checks and security and everything else. And um during the performances we'll have people roaming and, and catching people you know filming um if well, i think that, that you could make the argument that's kind of what donnie did is it wasn't necessarily he was focused on filming the audience it's that the performers were engaging with the audience coming off the stage and he was just following the performers right but he shouldn't have been it was still children yeah, but it's still a public place so i think I legally he you could legally, argue yes. you could argue morally you could try right. to make that argument right. but i think well, they're trying to argue morally that that we're doing nothing but grooming children because of drag shows. So yeah, but I mean, in this particular instance, him filming right isn't no, it, it is. It's a it's it's a public thing. It, it's 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 not a you know yeah. Here's the you know the the law. It's okay. You you're in a public space. No, the argument I'm trying to make here is is they went in purposely looking for something that's a, that that inappropriate for children. When I and lots of other people believe that it's inappropriate for you to film children and then throw your stuff up on the internet. Right. What about the argument that he's the news? He's they're not news. They're not news at all. They try to seem like that. They try to give you know interviews and that kind of thing. Mm -mm. They're not news. They're not even considered news by the most of the journalists in town. Um, most of the newspapers, they're not. They're not considered news at all. They're not considered the press. But what, what counts as being considered as the press? What makes somebody in that? Right, because somebody has to start out somewhere. Right, so Lost Coast to. in the beginning had to start out. Right, we had to start out Outpost, somebody, Lost Coast so. Outpost had to start out as something. And then grew into this. Right. So um, it, it's all about having. Now, normally when you go to something then it, and it says, um, it, you know, say something like a press conference or a news release or a press release. Right. Most of those people 
um, unless they're, you know, like say someone like you is doing a podcast or making little clips or whatever. Um, most of those people have <laughs> like a, a, a says their press that they are um, part of of that, that they're there. They have a legitimate outlet. Right. Um, last... Can you just print that up for like 50 cents? <laughs> right. I guess, I guess you could. Um, I would hope that you wouldn't, but yes, I guess you could. Um, but you'd probably just... be able to get into some interesting places doing that. Right. I don't right, know if anybody right. would stop you. They'd see the press pass and be like, okay, this oh, guy's, okay, this yeah, guy, this guy's right, good. Legit. Right. And here's the thing. They don't do news. Um, they don't, they don't give you the local shakedown on what's going on or whatever. Basically what they do is they're just out there fear mongering. But doesn't that seem like a, an opinion more than a factual representation of what that organization might or might not stand for. Yeah, but have you seen their casts? I mean, have you have you really kind of? Paid I've had I had Donnie them? Creekmore on the podcast. Mm. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I talk, I just I've right. talked to him right for but, a while. But here's the thing: what like the church doesn't tell you, and what like they won't tell you is literally go to their YouTube channels and listen to what they're saying. Right, a legitimate news cast um is something that act gives you the facts i don't know if we have any of those today right right you would See, think that's the problem though right. is you could extend that same thing to cnn you could say fox news you could right. say basically right. everything we consider news today is full well, of if shit. it hadn't well yeah if it hadn't been for reagan going hey let's sign off on this we, you know we still would have legitimate newscasts right but Literally, there are, you know, newspapers that give you um, newspapers and, 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 of course, websites and whatnot. They give you the facts. This is what happened. This is how it is. And then they have an opinion section, right? Even with news. I'm sorry. Can you just pull that out? Sorry. Just you, I yeah. know you're aiming it. You can I'm, feel no, free to I'm, move that around. I was burping. I just oh, sorry. Like burp in the microphone. Sorry. Um. So those things like the newspapers and whatever, they give you the facts, they, and then they have their opinion section, right? So what Lost Coast Populist does is not that, right? Um, they've gone through a lot of trouble of not – I mean, they're not even residents of Ferndale, and they had gone to the Ferndale uh, City Hall meeting in um, – we're up there legitimately yelling and screaming about how drag is grooming children and not appropriate and all this other stuff. And we, the, those of us in the queer community that were there were floored. We're like, what? So um, it's not, it's like they believe their own hype, really. I mean, it's not factual. It's not um, based on, um, the facts being set out and then saying, okay, well, this is my opinion about them. Right. And that's, that's not what they're doing. They're saying this is, this is, you know, um, not appropriate at all. We don't want this to be here. They are groomers. They are this, they are that. Um, and they've tried to get an interview with me. They've tried to get an interview with queer humble. Um, and we've noticed that, one, I didn't do it, and neither did Queer Humble. Um, with a lot of the stuff that they go over in their videos and whatnot and how they talk to people, 
it's nothing like the news. I would call of it more of a podcast, more of um, uh, something that that you can sit and share your opinion on and talk about all day long. But um, you know, you're not considered media. You're just considered somebody that has a you know a platform. A platform. That that's it. Um, it's just like me and Lost Coast Pride is, is, it's a platform, right? You can either hear me or not hear me, but Lost Coast Pride is a platform. It's something that has gotten off the ground and it is given it, um, a voice and a message to the people in the small towns in the Eel River Valley. You know, we have, um, the Eureka Sister Perpetual of Indulgence. We have Redwood Pride, um, the Raven Project, really? All up here in Eureka, right? It's all up here, but there's nothing south. So that's what right now Lost Coast Pride covers is the Eel River Valley. And we do Petrolia. We have some people that live there that come to our Pride stuff. Um, we do um, Rio Del, Scotia. I'm, I'm, and, and we want to work as, you know, eventually, and not necessarily Lost Coast Pride, but going Southern Humboldt having another organization down there, right? So that we have connections. Um, but it's just a platform. It's not anything that that I would say is um, a news thing. I wouldn't get up there. If I had a, a podcast for Lost Coast Pride, I wouldn't say, oh, yeah, I'm the press, and start hanging cameras on me. That, that that's, that's not how that works. Um, so I don't... And I know a lot of people, including journalists for um, some of the other papers and, and websites, do not consider them press at all. Yeah, but you could make an argument that a lot of people don't consider those journalists part of the press as well. Right. Um, I'm, well, uh, also, I, I I won't say as to who, but people that uh, work for the county and, and, and stuff, they're not considered um, a legitimate um, news source. I, it would just depend on what we're defining that as, right? Because everything has to start from somewhere before it gets to that point right. where it's mainstream, right? right? Kim Kemp, right at a black belt. I mean, right. all that you have these organizations that are grassroots movements, right. yeah, and then are. they grow into this thing that becomes well respected mm -hmm. and part of the community right. message, right? Right. Yes, but I you I could definitely argue maybe he's not there yet, or well, maybe he won't get there. Well, because he's not part of the community, he's not. He okay, he's but part of his mean? community, okay. right? So he's not um, inclusive of the whole community. Um, but is that know. does that disqualify you from being a journalist? No, I think <laughs> mm. I do, that doesn't disqualify you from being a journalist at all. Um, but when you're talking journalism, unless you're Fox News and, you know, your opinion is everything, that's basically what, um, it, at least I feel, it, it, it is what he is. It's like a, a, a Fox News of running around with like a chicken with the head cut off. Guess what's bad now? Guess what's bad now? Um, right. So, I mean, you're not being uh, – other news sources here in Humboldt County, Eureka, and even nationwide, they cover almost 
every part of their community, right? So they give you, you know, what's going on with the arts. They give you what's going on with this. And, and people put LGBTQ stuff in there all the time. Whether it's TV, whether it's newspapers or, or whatnot, whether it's just a, a, a webcast or, or whatever, it, it that, that, that is your, you include all of your community and you include all of um other than just your opinion right um that to me is legitimate right you you're going beyond um just what your little bubble says okay and you're 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 finding news you're finding facts you're you're out in your community you see the whole community um not just there's my opinion on this now hot button. But he was out in the community covering that story. Doesn't that kind of track with what you're saying? Is that he went there to this event that you could argue wasn't a part of his community and still covered it? Yeah, but here's the thing is that um, with that, it's intentionally looking for something bad. You just think he had ulterior motives. I do. In covering it. I do. Yeah, in covering it. I mean... He went in with his cameras, right, while everyone else was outside causing a ruckus. But I believe he wasn't a part of the protest. No, no he was there. He No, he was the, there. I don't think he was a part of that protest, though. Yeah, he, he was. Those were his friends because he sat talking to them afterwards, right? When we're all busting down our stuff, they're still sitting outside, and he's part of it, and those are his buddies. Um you know, even at the um, after that, when they went to the Eureka City Council meeting and, you know, wanted to express their opinion about um, the drag show and, and, and stuff that happened for Pride. Um, he literally got up there um, after somebody else had gotten up and said, I'm part of this, blah, blah, blah. And he got up there afterwards and they, it made it seem like they didn't know each other. Right. But as soon as they were done speaking, they all got up together and left, right? So it, it, I do believe he said when we were talking on the podcast that he was buddies with a couple of the people that were involved in that movement. Mm -hmm. But I think he made or tried to make the distinction that he was there as a Lost Coast representative. He's very aware of separating his personal beliefs from the beliefs attached to Lost Coast populist, or at least tries to be. And that right. was my understanding when I was talking with him. There's no separation of that. Those are his buddies. Those are who he hangs around with all the time. So you don't think a journalist can be impartial to who they're around? Not when that constant um, um, message feedback is the same opinion you have. I don't think we have any real journalists in the U.S. then. Mm -mm. Well, not really. No. Because you're you're... Not all, like for me, not all of my friends are in agreement on certain topics, right? Like we can, okay, we can agree to disagree except for when it, it, you know, erases my existence. So, but other things, you know, just because I have a friend that um, I hang out with that likes NASCAR like I do, right? If I'm hanging around a bunch of people that, you know, um, nothing but NASCAR, right? Then it's all my friends, nothing but NASCAR. Um, growing and, and putting yourself out of that, right? 
um, making friends where you have friends over here that have um, um, a different opinion or, you know, a different perspective or that's just it. You go out of that circle and you seek your other members in your community to learn and grow, right? Now, I've been asked by them to do an interview, and I refuse to because they're not listening. They hear you. They're not listening. They don't want to listen. They want to find fault, right? To me, a journalist goes out to not find fault, just to figure out the facts. And you, when you go out to find fault, find something wrong, right? You're going out to perpetuate your belief. It's very hard to separate that. It's very hard to separate that from um, your friends, right? Like especially ones you always hang out with and you're always seen with at every event. Um, that's just it. It's hard to separate that opinion from your journalism, right? Um, and that's just what it becomes. This is just... You become who you're around. Right. Basically, that's really w what you become. And um, everybody concentrates on, on what this says, right? What this rule is, what um, what this should be. And that's not necessarily um, journalism. To me, journalism is whether you agree with it or not or whether you um, have knowledge of it or not, you're going fact-checking. So, you, like... You had questions for me for this podcast, right? So you have a legitimate set of questions. For every time that I've gone and I've done a TV interview or radio or whatever, it's always a set of questions. I don't have well, any questions prepared. Well, That's why I'm a podcaster. Though. Right. Well, but, um, but I mean, we can discuss, you know, we know the topic that we're discussing. And it can vary. But when you're a journalist and you're doing that, you have a set of questions. And you're like, okay, this is what I wanted to ask you. Or what about this? Or, or what about that? That to me is fact finding. That to me is learning something new. You're like, oh, well, oh, I didn't know that. Okay, that's great. Even a journalist can learn something new, right? So um, to me, I think that um, when you're going and you're always trying to find fault and you're always trying to uh, protest um, certain people, you're not doing journalism. You're going to those events to protest that. Um, you know, I, I've i watched Donnie and his little co cohorts comments on a lot of social media about going to drag shows and, you know, kind of not necessarily, um, you know, making a big deal, but kind of disrupting him a little bit because we know who he is. Right. So we know who a lot of his cohorts are. We're not dumb. So, um, you know, we 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 know that they talk amongst themselves uh, on our social medias like, oh, yeah, uh -huh, look, they're having. Yeah, they did it for the drag show in Ferndale. And I watched them on the social media. I'm like, do they think that we're stupid? Right. I've blocked them on my social media. Queer Humboldt has done the same. Because they have done nothing but poke, 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 harass, harass, harass on those social media outlets. So I don't find that journalism. I've been contacted by journalists here. That's not what they do. You know, they're trying to find facts. They're trying to honestly get your perspective. 
right? And try to understand what you're trying what you're trying to get across. That's not what he does. I really like your view of what a journalist stands for. It's mm-hmm. a very optimistic view. I, I like that a lot. I don't think a lot of journalists fall into that realm. Not anymore. If we're being critical right. of that. Right. Not anymore. There are a few that I know that are phenomenal, and that's what they do, right? They take their their job, their journalism seriously, knowing that they have people that read, um, you know, like Kim, Kim Kemp, right? I mean, knowing that they read these things. And so they go and they find facts and they're like, here, this is what's going on here. Um, you know, with all of that, they're, that's what they're, they're doing. They just present the information and let you form your own opinion. Right, exactly. They're not, they're not saying, oh, and da, 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 this is how you should do it. This is wrong. And even though I did this article, it's, it, that's not how that works, right? Um, I just think that giving them more of a voice than the one that they have tried to establish. Um, I know that sounds worrying. Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, I, it's, it's great that, you know, hey, we have freedom of speech. But you also suffer from the consequences of a freedom of speech. And that's what people don't understand. So if you go out and you're like, I have freedom of speech, it's the First Amendment. Yes, perfect. You have freedom of speech. But you also get to suffer the consequences of that. So if your opinion is not either a popular one or you're being hateful or you're being inaccurate on purpose, um, yeah, right? Do you see where that, that, that gets you? People are going to start going... Oh, you know what? Mm, we don't trust you anymore. We don't. This is not something that, um, um, you know, we feel is appropriate. Um, so we're going to go somewhere else. We're not going to listen to you anymore or we're not going to go to your business anymore or whatever. You have First Amendment rights. Well, that's the free market, right? You get to put out whatever you want to put out and mm-hmm. people get to choose whether or not they want to be a part of that. Yes. Or you think certain there should be limitations on I that? think yes, I think there should be. I think there should be all that hateful crap should be um it doesn't need to be seen. And we've got so what, much bigotry what, going on, it's not even funny. So But what is defined as hateful behavior? Because it seems like it's a spectrum. It is, it can be, it can be different for everybody, but um you know, we can't go and publish certain hmm. slander. Slander. Thank you. Um, that's what I was looking for. Um, without consequences to that, right? So if you're publishing something or you're doing something on, you know, social media and you're slandering a bunch of people or you're slandering an individual. Right, you can be held liable for that. Um, you know, we've had, um, we've we have a lawyer that looks into, you know, hey, is this something that um, uh, we need to write a letter of, of of cease and desist because that's slander, and you know, uh, the marquee sign this last time 
you know, getting the, the, the very first drag show canceled. Of course, it was only the venue that got canceled. Um, literally, that could be taken as slander against the venue that we were going to have. I mean, it would have been slander. They could have taken it, taken it up. Loss of money, that kind of thing, right? So, um, but what you say can come back to haunt you. Right, um, it doesn't matter whether you, you know, say it publicly or you're just with a, a couple of your friends. What you say can come back to haunt you. Words have an effect. Most preachers and stuff know that. They know how to use words to 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 affect their congregation, right? So it's something they're taught. Um, so words have an impact, and they have consequences. Right, so if your words are hateful and you're putting them out there, and people are like no longer wanting to put up with your crap, or your hateful rhetoric, or you know, your your hateful books in your bookstore, they're gonna stop coming. They're gonna start writing reviews. They're gonna start. This is social media, man. You can't get away with nothing practically. So then, don't we already have <laughs> the restrictions in place that you would want with the free market and with the hate speech? Um, see, that's the thing. Um, usually with the hate speech and stuff, it, it, it's more focused on, um, race, not necessarily, um, or sexual identity, sexual identity, gender identity. Right. Um, I know that, um, you know, state of California is a little bit different. Um, hate crimes are a little bit different here and how they're prosecuted and that kind of thing, as opposed to a lot of states in the South and Midwest, um, so hate crimes, you know, you don't get away with nothing, right? You, you, you're going to show somebody and make a, 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 any kind of, uh, LGBTQ queer slur or something. You can, you know, be held accountable for that. Right. And any kind of threats that come over legitimately as far as like, um, you know, we're going to be, be there to, you know, um, kick your ass or whatever else right threats so, of violence right threats of violence so um those are okay but here's the thing what's usually not covered right now is gender identity right um well in some ways it is right the old twitter uh, this is what i always jump back to is you could you couldn't dead name so if you were, use somebody's former right. name you would get permanently banned <laughs> Right, right. So in some ways, yes. And in a lot of ways, no. I mean, there's still transgender women of color being killed just for being who they are, right? So um, they don't have protections of, hey, that's that's a hate crime, that's slander, that's, you know, um, you can be held liable for that. Um, there's only a few places, a few states that, that do have any kind of protections for specifically for transgender persons um or um some that they're limited at this point right um and then others there's absolutely nothing on the books to protect them nothing um and here even though we have protections in the state of california because we're so rural and everything else a lot of times people don't think it applies to them, right? 
oh, we're in a, like a hidden part of California. You know, we that's not going to apply to me. It, it does. Your words have an effect. And um, hateful ones seem to fire up that hateful base faster than you can blink, right? So we for sure had um, several people that had said that they were going to be there to protest our first drag show, which was at the Friendo Rup. Um, and they were just adamant about, hey, we're going to be there. And we even got security for that, right? Which was fine. We, I would rather provide security anyway. Um, not a single protester. Not a single one. And they were throwing this big fit. Well, now we're having an all-ages one at College of the Redwoods. The good news about that is, is that protesters are not allowed on campus. And security and um, the campus police force will be looking for anybody who's got, unless they're authorized, cameras hooked up. and You can't protest? It's a public campus. Mm. No, protesters, I was informed that protesters are not allowed on campus. That seems absurd because protests happen at campuses all the time all over the country. Right. So I'm not really sure. I, I, I thought for sure they'd be able to come up and park in the parking lot. And as far as I know, no. Well, it's a public campus. That seems right. outrageous that they I can don't block that. No, I don't, I, don't, I don't know. Well, it is on a weekend, for one. Um but still a public campus. Right. So I don't, I, I don't know where that came from. They just informed me that, no, the protesters have to be off campus. I was like, oh, okay. Um, because otherwise we have a, a what they call a rainbow uh, umbrella brigade. And that's basically if protesters are in a central area, which is usually how that happens. Um, then these people, um, volunteers get up with their umbrellas and they pop them open and they stand directly like in front of the protesters and it blocks the protesters from the kids and the kids from the protesters. Right. So that was our original plan. But then I was told that protesters had to be off campus and I'm not sure why. Cause I thought that that would like you, I thought, Oh, Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll have to check into that. Cause that seems right. They that, t- it seems like it would be an insane precedent for them to set out there. Right. So I wasn't really sure, but they just said, nope, no protesters. If they're formally, a, a, if they're there to protest or whatever, um, you know, they'll be asked to be somewhere not on campus and then maybe on the road or somewhere legit holding signs. I don't know. But um, and then um, if they get caught on campus, they're going to be escorted off. So uh, I was like, uh, oh, I had no idea that was a thing. I thought that it legitimately you could have protests on campus, but. For this, I guess not. Wow. So, yeah, I was kind of surprised myself. So just interesting that they had just made it that way because we were already prepared to. And you guys were expecting a lot of protesters at this one? Oh, we were expecting a lot of protesters at this one because it's kids can attend. That seems to be the recurring theme is it's the kid aspect that right. seems to be drawing all the attention. Well, they just seem to think that we're grooming our their children. Well, the grooming thing gets thrown around so much, right? right. It's tossed around. Mm-hmm. It's like throwing around races today. Right. Like, what does that really mean? What are we talking about here? Well, you know, here's the thing. I, I'm a parent. I have a daughter. I have al- almost seven grandkids. One's on its way. So, um, <laughs> it, it, 
I, you know, mm. it never makes any sense to me. And like, like I said, I, I'm a parent. I'm a, I'm a grandfather, and as a parent, we all groom our children. We groom them to be how we want them to be and where we want them to go, right? I was a little bit better about it with my daughter because I told her, you know, hey, you can be whoever, and I raised her to be open-minded and, and that kind of thing. But we groom our children how we want them to go. So you could almost legitimately call everything grooming, especially if it's something that you're trying to get your child to always do. That's the definition of grooming, right? Not once have I noticed in this country of a case of a drag queen or anybody that does drag, grooming a child, right? Um, never um, have I seen, you know, a drag queen uh, get, you know, or somebody that does drag um, get picked up for the, you know, um, to catch a predator, right? I've never seen any of that. But we're always grooming our children and our grandchildren to be a certain way. So when they say that we're grooming children, I'm like, we're not even around children that long enough to, to groom your child, right? And if it's any kind of show, then there's, there's nobody picking up your kid um, and taking them backstage. That doesn't happen, right? That, that just, they're worried about they have sexualized drag. But in a way, it ties back to, in a way, it is a sexual thing by nature not necessarily see drag has been done for centuries before women could actually perform in theater men did all the parts right that's juliet was a drag queen so i mean from romeo and juliet yeah i did not know that right well because back then women could not perform in the theater so men did all of the parts they played all the roles male female whatever that's all they did even back in roman and that that Men played women parts. They didn't allow women to into theater. So everybody was a drag queen. Um, but there's that sexual proclivity where you get turned on. Some people, not obviously not mm -hmm. all of them, some people do get turned on by dressing as the opposite sex. Right. And that, I would call that person a transvestite. I, didn't, I thought we couldn't say that word anymore. Or is that just what they throw around? Like, oh, you can't say that. Right, yeah. And we're under, literally, it's under the trans umbrella. But that's just it. If there's somebody that gets turned on by wearing women's clothing, that's totally different than a drag queen. But what if they are a drag queen as well? Usually not the case. But if they are, that's not that's something that's that's more appropriate for them to be they usually themselves know, hey, I can't do this around kids. I need to be with Yeah, adults. but that's putting a lot of trust in people to make it the right is. decision. It is putting a lot of trust in that. But here's the thing. I'm putting a lot of trust in 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 somebody getting behind a a, a four-wheel drive vehicle and knowing how in and expecting them to know how to use it. And that's not always the case, right? Um we are as individuals um, our own individual, but 
for instance, in our community, in the drag community, right? Um, everybody's known. People know who the drag queens are. People know each other, right? They t there's different drag troops in town, and they all know each other. They all have main people they talk to. So if there's any, oh, this person, right, yeah, no, that person doesn't get asked. Yeah, but that's not the greatest litmus test, right? People get away with no. stuff from close friends, from oh, loved course. ones all the time. Of course, of course. So on the flip side of that, we've got people who are pedophiles. Right. There's people and pedophiles are usually straight. Um, imagine that. Um, but. We have people that run around, in, in, you know, as having images in their head and, and all this other stuff, and yet they have legitimate jobs. We don't necessarily know that that person is a pedophile. Right. Until they're called out or they get caught or whatever. We don't know. So am I supposed to vet every person that comes near my grandkids? Am I supposed to um, vet every person that comes into my life? Yeah. That's my job. That's for me to figure that out. And if I figure out that, that somebody that I know is a pedophile, I'm out. And that's just it. If that person is caught, it's a different story. But if that person's not caught and they're working with children, what, what, what do you say to that? That's like saying, okay, like you said, there's a drag queen that also likes women dressing in women's clothing gets turned on by that. Now, that's not something that I know, but as soon as I do, that person's out. That person doesn't even get asked to be part of any part of the community, especially the drag community, unless they're doing an adult show. Well, that's what I've heard from most people who are opposed to that stance is that they're not opposed to drag shows. Mm -hmm. They're opposed to the aspect of doing this for kids. Right. And because they, have, they associate an adult drag show with a kid's one. But isn't that what kind of came out with the Redwood Pride drag show is there was gyrating, there was... The tipping, there were these standards okay, that you so, might not attribute to your own, but right. that were present in this one. So I mean, um, you're I kind of in that boat. It, right. I believe because that drag show was kind of like the after the pandemic and everything else, it was first drag show. And I don't think that it was necessarily um, thought through because, you know, typically when we do a drag show, it's there's tipping and, and whatnot. And I don't think that that was thought through as far as for a kid's show. That show was, um, it wasn't very long. It was kind of not last minute thrown together. Everybody knew what they were going to do. But, but pretty quickly put right, together. Right, but pretty, quick, pretty quickly put together, right? So um, I don't think that the, those rules and um, standards had been thought about. And thought, okay, you know what? We need to change this. This is a method we need to change. Um, so that when we do kids' shows, they're like a kids' variety show and not like, you know, um, like I said, there's no there's no tipping at my at Lost Coast Pride show. None. We don't want it that way. We want clothing above board. We want the performers are already paid. 
um, you want to take photos and stuff, there's a booth that will be there that's for, for photos for everybody to kind of legitimately do. After the show, they want to take, you know, if, if the performers are up for doing pictures or whatever, they want to take pictures with the performers, then they can do little selfies. Or, and at the end of the performance will be a group photo, right? Which is what we did for the drag show at the Ferndale Rep. We didn't have video cameras or, or anything else set up there until, and we didn't allow people to take pictures until group picture at the end or if they wanted to take individual pictures with the performers at the end of the night. So that's just it. It's making the performers safe. It's making the staff safe, and it's certainly making the children safe. Um, we want them to feel included. And, and I think that that's a lot of what doesn't happen is that they don't get included in things like that. Well, I think the fear is that the inclusion of children in certain things can be potentially problematic because they are so malleable that if you put right. children in a situation where there's an influence that maybe you deem mm -hmm. not the best, right. they could go down that path. But that's just it. Most of the people that are bringing their children there, I don't see anybody else as a protester bringing their kids to a, a, a drag show. Everybody that's there, the, the parents and children want to go. But then that ties back into the argument for like a strip club. If I want yeah. my kid to go, if I want to go with my nine-year-old right. to a strip club, should we be able to go well, see, that's watch the just pole it. Like, that it, it A strip club is people getting like either mostly naked or naked. Right. Um, what if they were just pole dancers? Even that, to me, sometimes is questionable, right? Because of, of depending on the outfits. Um, pole dancers usually have really skimpy outfits on and, and whatnot, just to kind of, you know, be for entertainment. Um, and that's an adult situation. To me, um, I know it's exercise. That. I know some people use it as exercise. Some people right? get jacked doing it. Yeah. Right, right. So, but you wouldn't extend that same level of caution to an all-age drag show um well that's why we're taking the precautions that we are but you right? don't think the just the act of it is similar no. no no i don't think the act of it is similar at all i'm i'm literally dressing in a costume as pumba and doing hakuna matata so i don't see that as um being a standard that a, a child shouldn't see Right. Well, that might not be something that people think of when they think of drag. Right, right. Drag is entertainment. It's all it ever is, is entertainment, right? Some people, when they do drag, they enjoy doing it. They love performing. They love getting out there. They love being around the crowd. Um, some people are straight. Some people are gay. Some people are cisgendered. Some people are... You know, trans, it doesn't matter. I've had straight men get up and do drag, right? And have a good time doing it. Um, and they brought their kids to the show. And it was at the time, there was no, there was dancing, but there was no, like, overtly badly sexual stuff at this show because we knew people would be showing up as families. And this was 20-something years ago. So um, now... Literally, drag is just entertainment, and it depends on the, the degree of 
age, honestly. Of, so do you think of, that the there are certain drag shows that are kind of bringing you all down because they're putting on these all age drag shows that aren't appropriate for children, and then you guys yeah, because I don't think that? that they're thinking it through. To be honest, they're just I, treating it like an all age or just like a right, drag show would right, normally be. Right, except for you know they may not have the the gyrating stuff, but they do have like our none of our songs will have any kind of swear word in it. None, none of the songs being performed have swear words in them. We've already gone over it. Um, you know, everybody has had to turn their music in. Uh, they've already had to have their costuming approved. Um, you know, so yeah, we're putting a lot into this as a kid's drag show. Um, but really it's, it's entertainment. It's costuming. It's literally someone getting in a costume and getting up and performing, whether it's lip syncing or actually singing or, or whatever. Drag is costuming, right? It's not inherently sexual. It's just someone being in a different outfit. You know, today... We have every type of, 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 of person out there, and we're okay with women wearing pants and flannel, and we're okay with them being in drag, right? But God's forbid that you let a man walk around outside going to work or whatever in a dress because then, you know, it, then it becomes sexual when it's not. We don't consider women dressing in men's jeans and and boots as you're in drag, you're being sexual. No, but we do consider women's clothing sexual in right. a lot of circumstances. You know, we do. And here's the thing. Clothing has no gender. We've genderized it, but clothing has no gender. If you're in a dress and you're female, you're in a dress and you're female. If you're in a dress and you're male, you're in a dress and you're male. That makes that male clothing, right? You're male. It doesn't mean that you're gay. It doesn't mean, you know, there's a, I don't know if you've seen it. There's a, it's been going around social media. There's a guy, a business guy, really, um, he's older and a really handsome guy built, wears skirts and high heels to work every day. He's not gay. He's straight, right? Has kids, has a wife, has all this. But he goes in that stuff because he's like, why is this gendered clothing? I feel good in this clothing. Do you think that's a sexual thing? Mm -mm, not at all. I don't think it's a sexual thing at all. Clothing in and of itself is not sexual. We have sexualized clothing. We have sexualized so many things, right? Um, and put sexual connotations on, on stuff, right? I, I, when I was, before I went through my transition, I had always, uh, even as a kid, I hardly ever, uh, thank God, I hardly ever wore a dress or a skirt, but unless I was forced to, but I was wearing boys' clothing. But it was my clothing. It's just clothing, right? And so we have shoved people into these little, you know, boxes that they're supposed to be in. When... Catholic priests still wear robes. That's considered a dress. Well, people wear kilts. I, I do. Traditions change. Right. I wear kilts. I wear, I'm Scottish and Irish. I wear kilts, right? Um, we don't consider that feminine. As a matter of fact, ooh, a man in a kilt, right? I've heard that so many times, right? Um, so we don't consider that feminine, but 
in essence, that today's kilts look like skirts, right? I don't consider it that. We have we have we have put a gender to clothing and we have sexualized it. It's okay for women to wear men's jeans and men's boots, but it's not okay for men to wear a dress because oh, that's feminine and you, now you're gay and 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 now I have questions about you. When in actuality we have priests in robes, we have kilts, we have um you know well, if you really consider it, the clan wears robes, so I'm assuming that they, you know, they that could be considered a dress. We're, we're, we feminize things. When we make it feminism, you know, anything feminine second to everything else. If it's not butch and masculine, then you're queer. Um, and if you're butch and masculine, then you're a dyke. Or you're a lesbian, or so that's okay. We consider that okay because of porn. That's okay, but mm -mm. we don't want to. We don't want to have that 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 feminism or that feminist kind of thought. Men are not supposed to be feminists, right? Uh, men are not supposed to wear dresses. Why? Because then you're gay. Or there's something wrong with you, or you're out to get my kid. Um, we don't. It's what standards we've put on things that makes it for future generations seem like it's a bad thing. And I don't believe it is. I don't believe that drag shows for kids have to be this, you're sexualizing it. No, I'm not. I'm making a drag show for kids. I'm making a variety show for kids so that they can have entertainment too. And just because somebody is in drag doesn't mean that that person is out to get your children. Um, more often than not, um, we are going to ensure that the children that we have, any kind of children's shows that we have in the future, will be like this one. It will be no filming, no bad language, no um, inappropriate songs, none of that. Um, because while the children aren't worried about their safety, we're worried about their safety. Um, and while they're, they're just there to have a good time and see all the shows, we want to make sure that, that what they see is appropriate. Don't you think that in filming, you might be able to calm some of the people that are, well, that's that? just it. We will have designated filmers. So, and it, it'll be released, not all of it, obviously, but most of it will be released. College of the Redwoods will have their media, um, and then, you know, we'll have our social media where we can release some of the, the performances and, and whatnot, right? Showing exactly, um, you know, and I'm more than happy to share that with any kind of news outlet if they want to look at that. But yeah, there's, there's no, um, uh, filming. Now we did have at our last show, we had, um, someone from the North Coast Journal and their photographer, and they had specific permission to go and take pictures of performers 
um, ask, you know, um, and, and I know that the reporter was there asking questions, but um, they went around and they went backstage and, and legitimately asked every performer, hey, is it all right if I take your picture? Right. That's how we got around that. Um, and we'll do that again for this next show. Hey, can I take your picture? You know, and that'll be kind of like in the media and whatnot. But for us ourselves, it's us filming um, the stage and it's filming the the performers themselves. Um, and it'll go out and it'll be there. This is what our drag show was, right? This is what a drag show is for kids. Um, it needs to be above board. Um, I, I'm like I said, I'm a father and a grandfather. I would never let my my daughter who got raised in the, in the community go to a show that was like that ever. But nor would I let my grandkids. No, if I, if if it's a show that's for adults, and usually those shows are not during the daytime; they're at night, right? So. Um, if it's a show that is for kids, yeah, I'm all about, I would take my grandkids in a heartbeat. Um, but if it's an adult show, nobody should be there with their children in the first place. This just happened to be a pride thing that happened in the middle of the day. So since that happened, it's learning and growing. And because I have experience, um, with drag community and not for a while, but I also have experience with the trans community. And I know that a lot of things that come out with trans, I've done panels, I've done all sorts of stuff as a transgender person to know that what can be, what we can and can't do, what, what needs to happen in order to have a successful kids drag show. Do you mind if I ask you about your own personal story sure, and how right. you knew how, like, how did you know that you were trans? Well, when I was growing up, and I have two younger brothers when I was growing up, um, not only did I think I was a boy, my father raised me like one. So I, until I hit puberty, was like, I'm a boy. Um, and then I hit puberty, and it all went to shit from there. Um, <laughs> but... Um, my transition happened now. Like I said, I was doing drag in Reading in about around 96, 97. Um, and I became comfortable in my own skin. My mom um, went to San Francisco State University and got a minor in human sexuality. And so my mom already knew about trans stuff even back then. And... I was doing drag, and I got comfortable in my skin. I was very large-chested, right? So with a large chest, I went to the doctor, one, a plastic surgeon there, and um, he um, was like, hey, I can take you down to fit your lifestyle and all this other stuff. And went home with my because my mom was at the appointment with me. I went home with everyone, and I was like, yeah, I don't understand what he's saying. My mom's like, you know what? You've always been a boy. Be one. And I bawled because it was just like, not permission, but I was seen, right? Um, and I came, let's see, I had, I came out in July of 98, had top surgery in September of 98, and started testosterone two weeks later. 
And this was after your time in the military. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had come out. I had actually gotten out during Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Um, when I came out, I came out um, as a lesbian because I didn't know any other title. I didn't quite fit. I was like, no, but this is as close as I'm going to get. Um, and then I got out in 94. And then four years later, I transitioned and I was like, oh, this is what I was looking for. Um, since then, um, I've always made it my mission because in 1998, I didn't have any information. Internet was still relatively new. Um, yeah, I didn't have any sources. I didn't have any groups. I didn't have nothing. And I was stuck in Reading with no support, no nothing. Um, you know, my best friend, uh, helped me, you know, go through my transition and my mom and the time my first wife, but you know, uh, from that time I was like, you know what? I am not going to hide myself. I don't have somebody I can see. I don't have somebody I can look at or talk to you, but I'm going to make damn sure that somebody else does. So I did, uh, panels, um, educational panels at uh, uh, Shasta College. Um, and I did human sexuality classes and uh, some science classes and that kind of thing and talked about uh, being trans. And um, there's not a question I haven't been asked in 25 years. Not a question I haven't been asked, uh, legitimate or otherwise. Um, so, I, and from there, I moved here. Um, I'd spent a lot of my childhood summers here so in Humboldt County and so we moved my first wife and I moved here uh and she went to HSU and um I gave talks up there I believe I gave one oh I came out to my Photoshop 6 class by doing a collage of my before and after pictures um but I've given all sorts of talks throughout um my the time I've transitioned throughout the last 25 years um, including to, you know, for military and um, hospitals and doctor's offices and all sorts of stuff um, because of my not having somebody to see, nothing tangible, right? So I have ha I made it my mission to do that for somebody else. Um, so there's a lot that um, I still continue to do, you know, I still get asked to do panels. I still get asked to do talks. I still get asked to um, educate, right? I'm, I, I'm considered a trans elder because I transitioned so long ago. Um, and I've made it through so much BS. And I still have to, amazingly enough, I'm, I still get things you know, slung at me as far as like verbal slurs and that kind of thing, because I'm not shy. All of my ball caps or my t-shirts or my jackets or whatever, all have some sort of pride thing on them. Um, I don't mind being that face. And yeah, I've been beat up. I've been all sorts. But here's the thing. I've had an effect. It's been a ripple effect and it's been great, but I've had an effect. I've helped people through their transitions. I've answered questions. I've um, shown people that longevity as a trans person is possible.
it's legitimately been by the some of the younger generation of I didn't know there were older trans people or there were trans people older that old, right? Because not visible. And I'm not talking about trans women. I'm talking a lot about trans men. Um, we have, unfortunately, you know, we have more passing privilege than a trans woman does, right? So we can start growing facial hair and everything else um, and disappear, right? Nobody would know. Nobody would clock us. But the problem is, is that those people who don't know about what it means to be trans or they think they might be, but they don't have an example. They don't have somebody who's been through it. They don't have somebody they can ask. Right. Um, and, and that's important. And so not just me, but several, I mean, I'm way out, but several people, you know, are out just to be visible. And then others are not, they're stealth, but they're still doing advocacy, especially being in a group of people and people don't know that they're trans and be like, hey man, that's not an okay thing to say. Why you got to say something like that? And just calling people out, changing people's opinions the stealth way. Whereas I'm changing how people see themselves, right? And I could be changing people's opinions about trans just being out. So it's not all about just being out. It's just about being an advocate. And that's what I've done uh, for 25 years of my life. Next year will be 26 and I will have lived half my life as my authentic self. Is and that crazy to say? Does that, is yes, that a weird feeling? Uh, yes. And then, then that next year's birthday is important, right? Because I've made half of my life as my authentic self. Um, it's an important thing to say. It's important for me. I, I feel like I've, I've gotten farther than I thought I would. Um, but it's also an important thing for other people to know that, oh my God, this person actually just spent half their life being who they are. It's possible, right? It's possible to go through life just being your authentic self. Um, so I started that years ago, and I continue to do it. And with Lost Coast Pride, getting that up off the ground and being asked to do it, and then I was like, we need something for Eel, Eel River Valley, right? It was, it was just another part of my advocacy of being seen. Not that I want to, like, have, you know, wear all the crowns and be all the pop. And no, no, I'm more of a homebody. But... This is important. And having something like this is to be seen. It's to be heard. It's to let people know um, in the Eel River Valley, in, you know, uh, Eureka, in, in, in Humboldt County. Hey, we're here. And we're not going anywhere. And come see us. There are other people like you here. You don't have to hide. You don't have to be in a closet here because we are in a rural closet here. Basically you don't have to be, there are other people like you here and it's important that we do that. Do you have any regrets about transitioning? Do you ever think about what would have happened if you went the other way? No. Mm. 
I wouldn't be here right now. I wouldn't be. It here was right that now. bad. Yeah, it was that bad. I would not legitimately be on this planet anymore. Um, I was to the point where I couldn't take it. Um, Just being in that body. Yes. Yes. My chest size was a 44 double D. My chest perceived me by five minutes everywhere I went, right? So having that removed, I probably could have gone just with that. And it's not that I had, uh, it's not that I have a problem with breasts, just breasts on me. I, I, I couldn't do it. My brain, genetically, I'm male. I've been tested. I've genetically, I'm male. So this is why I don't understand people going, ah, trans is not a real thing. What does that mean, genetically, you're male? So genetically, all that chemical and, and, and wonderful things that go on with your body, um, I don't, my body just didn't develop past what, what I was born as. What about chromosome wise? Um, right. So, <laughs> um, yeah, all of that, all my brain function, all my, um, everything else, even when I was a kid and I was shaving my chin. So everything for me was already male except for my body. Wait, does that mean your chromosomes, your chromosomes were XX? Um, no, it didn't quite make it there because that's a, a physical attribute, right? So, um, it didn't quite make it there. Like my body didn't quite make it up to the rest of the chemicals and biology going on in the brain and some other parts of my body. So like, for instance, um, genetically or intersex, right? Um, any part that, um, you don't necessarily have to have genitals or two of the, the, the same type of genitals or not same type, but, um, two different types of genitals, right? That's not something uh, like a physical attribute on the outside. It could also be inside. So you could also, uh, still have like female bodied is gonads, right? Uh, which is basically testicles that didn't drop. And they would be inside of your body? Mm -hmm. And you had that? Yes. Uh, so I have um, that and um, just the chemical makeup in my, in my system, right? Um, other than me taking testosterone, the, 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 the balance of those chemicals um, and the codes in my DNA didn't quite physically match up with what I still have, right? So... Um, when I was assigned female at birth, nothing on the outside of my body showed anything other than assigned female at birth. Everything inside, though, um, was screaming assigned male at birth. So um, uh, brain chemistry, um, uh, just your DNA genetics and, you know, having... Um, uh, testicles yeah basically it, it it's that, like up inside of you yes yes so and and in assigned female at birth you can have those i mean every they're considered like like the ovaries and stuff that get transferred and whatnot are all gonads oh so ovaries come out of balls 
Like, well, yeah, your like balls so, will like when you're going that. through the whole um, uh, development stage in the womb, right? So, I feel like I need to take a biology lesson, right? So when you're going through the whole development stage in the womb, um, the gonads are either balls or ovaries, right? And it just depends on how your body splits. Now, sometimes your body can be a little confused, <laughs> and it will um, not quite. Finish the process. Finish the process. Well, that's right. with hermaphrodites, right? As you yes, have that basically split intersex. Of... Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, and and you can refer to intersex or hermaphrodites. Some they do either or. Um, but yes, that it, so and when you're telling me that, um, especially this is what has gotten me about Christianity and, and and that kind of thing is you're telling me that God doesn't make any mistakes, but yet. You're telling me that being intersexed or hermaphrodite or trans, because that's a, that could be a brain chemistry thing, not necessarily a body chemistry thing, right? Um, so you're telling me all of that now is a sin, but that's a human condition, right? Intersex especially. We've been mutilating kid, chi children's bodies to try to make them conform to what we wanted them to be. When it turned out, when they were older, they weren't. They were the opposite gender, so they had to go through transition. So you're telling me what? That's not okay. No, it's a human condition. Being trans is a human condition. Being intersex is a human condition. Being any part of the queer spectrum is a human condition. But people will want to tell you otherwise because of what a book says. Do you feel like you're a unique situation in that case where you your body was trending toward the middle? Or is that normally the case that happens with people who transition is their bodies, it didn't quite click up all the way somewhere right. down the road? Yeah, sometimes, sometimes it's just chemical, right? Other times it's physical. Yes. So um, it can be, or it can be a combination of both. And I had a combination of both. Right, but my body didn't develop like it was supposed to. Um, Do you think your perception of yourself would have changed at all had your father raised you differently? Or had you not been around your two brothers? No, or no, I think, I, like think, I think honestly that eventually I would have come to the conclusion that I needed to transition. I needed to be, I needed to have what, uh, to be appropriate to me. Um, I don't think anybody was ever an influence on me. And even though my father raised me like a boy, that involves more of the working on car on cars and doing those kind of typical boy things. <clears throat> Not necessarily saying, well, this is you treating know. you like a boy. Right, right. So I I mean, just treating me like one that that I just and my it was amazing because he didn't do that with my brothers, but he did it with me. So um, but I think honestly, um, I would have come to the conclusion sooner, probably rather than later, but I would have come to the conclusion. Um, and I, I, I believe that if we're not criminalizing somebody transitioning and understanding that it is a human con condition, we're not beating somebody up for it. We're not, um, you know, calling them a freak and all this other stuff when it's something that they can't help. Right. It's like um, somebody who 
um, gets born with any kind of birthmark, right? It's a human condition. It happens. And calling people freaks and killing them and, and, and treating them badly and, and whatnot because of a human condition mystifies me to this day. I, I have yet to understand how they – and it's really because people sexualized it instead of just recognizing it as a human condition. I got called all, all sorts of stuff. I got beat up. I got assaulted. I got um, – in any – way shape form i've had you know slurs strung at me and i've had um property damage and i've had all sorts of stuff just because i have a human condition just because you were trans right right and people didn't understand it nor did they want to they didn't ask me about it they just they don't know me as an individual but they just figure oh you're a freak so we're gonna treat you like one has that gotten better as you've gotten older? Since you did, I mean, you were in the 90s transitioning. Right. And then to be it's where gotten, we are now. Oh, boy. It, it, it's gotten, it, I had thought that it had gotten better. And then now with all this, you know, conservative and Republican rhetoric about drag queens and drag time stories and, and you know, all this other stuff going on about trans women and trans men being killed for being who they are. Or who they have to be, it's it seems to have gotten worse. It's like I I don't know if if in this day and age of everything on the internet, people can't research. People can't take the time to research. They're just gonna listen to someone's rhetoric, right? Instead of taking the time to understand scientifically, because you know science and all. Um, but understand what what papers have been written, what what things have been said about trans and drag and um, LGBTQ and and you know um, none of this was ever a problem for Native Americans. Every tribe had somebody who was two spirit, and that is a, a a white person's word. But they're trans; they're considered, um, you know. Um, holy because they have perspectives of something different something on either side right so how we've come to this day and age of not being able to go on our phones and google what it means to be trans what it means to be a drag queen what it means to be um a lesbian what it means to be non-binary Right. Um, no one wants to take the time to research that. No one wants to take the time to learn that. So they're just going to learn what the media says. And when you've got <laughs> people who think they're a legitimate media and they start putting that kind of crap out there, then You're not going to get the full picture. You're not going to get an accurate description. They're just putting what they feel is wrong out. Yes, there's a good way and a bad way to go about it. Because mm -hmm. there's a lot of evidence or research out there that says, you know, that a lot of kids would grow out of this or just turn out to be gay or lesbian. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that's where a lot of the anger stems from is it seems like there's a push to transition kids younger and younger. And I think that that gets a little alarming for people. And and here's the thing. When I was little, I knew I was a boy, right? If your child comes out and says that, it's your responsibility as an adult to say, okay, well, then let's explore that. Let's figure out, you know, what you mean by that and not feel threatened, for one. Um, and this is the thing. Legitimately transitioning, like, any kind of surgeries or hormones can't happen until you're 18 in That's any not state. True. That's not true. You can do it at 13. Well, you have to have your parents' permission. That's also not true. In some states, you can get... You actually can use your parents' insurance, and the insurance mm. company can't tell the parents that you're going through these treatments. That's true. But your family's going to figure it out sooner yeah, but, rather than Yeah, later, but with, right? especially with hormone blockers, mm-hmm. sometimes the damage is done, and it's, it's, you can't go back on that. So if your kid's taking hormone blockers for six months or a year, and then you find out, well, your kid might be sterile or might have these permanent mm. after effects, and you can't right. undo that. And- I think, again, a lot of the alarm is whether there's a lot or a few, there are stories of people who transitioned when they were kids right. and then come out of it and say, I cannot believe my parents let me do this. Somebody should have protected me well, when I was a kid. And and that's just it. The parents should at least, you know, and this is a parent parental responsibility, right? And this is where you kind of get in one of those areas where, you know, you can't legitimately tell the parents what they can do. And you can't, you know, um, just kind of let the, that that slide. So as a parent, like if my daughter were to have ever come up to me and, and said, Dad, I, I think I'm a boy. Okay, well, then let's explore those. Let's find out what that means. Let's educate ourselves and say, okay, it means this, this, and this, and this. Now, you're not going to be able to do this until you're a certain age. So you're old enough to understand what you're, what you're doing, um, including, you know, I didn't have to go through, like, hormone blockers or anything else. And when it comes to that kind of stuff, I think that kids are legitimately going and doing it themselves because their parents are not listening to them. Their parents are not willing to educate themselves what that means. And then those parents who have with their children and have educated themselves and know the consequences and know what could happen and all of that, if they're going at 15, 16 years old and want to do that or want to go at 13 and they have something where that's a parental and a kid thing and not behind a parent's back and not just insurance handing it out, that's, again, staying in tune with your kids. And that's a parental thing. You go, okay, you know what? I may not understand it, but let's figure out what that means. Let's figure out what the, what this would entail. Let's research together. Let's do that. Because then the child knows that you're listening to them, for one. And for two, you're educating yourselves um, together to know what that is. But should we listen to the kids when it comes to something like that? Yes. Shouldn't it? Yeah, but kids are kind of stupid. 
Well, That's yes, the problem. yes, and no. Um, but again, you do have these kids that, because especially in states like California, right? If the kid wants to do it, the parents cannot. They have no intervention. It's not up right. to the parents. It is solely up to the discretion of the kids. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, in the world today, we have forgotten that kids are pretty dumb. Kids make yes. very poor decisions, right. and it's the role of the parent to stop them. Now, when that kid turns eighteen or an mm -hmm. age that society decides is acceptable let them do it then your parents right. shouldn't be able to stop you but these are kids these are right. kids that don't know literally anything even you could argue even people in their 20s you could argue my age right we don't really know no but to do it so young is just well here's insane. the thing for such a like, big decision it's right, not like for, oh i right. want ice cream for lunch right so i think letting your kids explore what it not not Letting them explore, especially if they say, I think I'm a boy or I think I'm a girl. Okay, let's explore that. Clothing and... Um, less know, drastic measures. Less drastic measures. Like, let's explore that. Let's see what this means for you and for me as a parent, right? So let's see what that means and let's explore this. And, and you know, sometimes that child, because you've let them do that, are going to go right out of it and be like, okay, I don't want to do this all the time. Right. Maybe sometimes I would like to do this and, and, and that's OK as well, but not necessarily all the time. That means they don't want to necessarily transition. They would just like to maybe do drag or or whatever, male or female, doesn't matter. Whatever body they came in that, you know, that they can do that. Um, and I think less drastic measures for that. Um, now, having that and your child, you've gone up, say the child was six or seven when they said that and they've gone through this whole thing and they have legitimately been wearing what they want to wear as far as representing the gender that they are and at 13 say okay this is a, a next step up let's do some research together as a family about what that means and then if that's something we still want to do then we do the hormone blockers at 13 13 14 years old yeah you doesn't that seem insanely young it does but you start developing in your body i know but then what if you turn 16 and you're like this was not the call well all you have we to do is stop taking them and they literally will start the process that's not true that's not true not all the time but yes no, but pretty pretty much across the board that's not true the hormone blockers when you start taking them well, that it's makes pretty sense. much chemical castration. Uh, well, what... I mean, that makes sense because, I mean, when I started taking testosterone, I mean, I stopped having cycles and everything else. So, yeah, that makes sense. Um, it doesn't, you know, it's not all the, the time I've had people that have, you know, gotten their children off of them and, and the blockers and, and they've just, it was slower, but they started to develop how they needed to. Yeah, they might right. still develop slightly but it's never going to be what it was and no. in most cases they're not going to be able to ha have kids so if it's a female taking male blockers i mean you you were you really have to having and, right and you really have to research and that's something that you have to say hey if you do this you're not going to be able to do this but do you think a 13 year old can understand the weight of that choice at 13 at doesn't 13, that i mean can you even grab i that mean in this scenario where i where i was like hey you're with your parent this whole entire time going through and your parent is helping you right in that scenario you know where you're going but what about the detransitioners 
Well, see, that doesn't happen very often. But it, okay, but what is very often? 5% of the time? 15% of the At what point do we say, okay, these people matter too? Well, that's just it, is that um, you're not going to find a very high percentage of people that are detransitioning. But we don't know what the percentage is. They've never done that study. No, they haven't. And, and mostly because it's not something that a lot of people announce that they're going to detransition, right? But the research against that is pretty solid, that most people, most, mm-hmm. not all, would grow out of it if left alone. And there's a lot of good evidence that says some of this is a social contamination aspect, especially among young girls and how it's switched from being predominantly men switching to mm-hmm. these teenage girls in these specific social cliques. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of evidence that says not intervening would actually be best for them in some cases. Mm-hmm. And that the challenging thing is is looking at you like you... It's very apparent. Like, this is what you wanted. This is what you needed. And you knew from a young age. So you're at that. Yeah. You're at that one side of, I knew Mm -hmm. that this is, this was for me. This has made my life so much better. I feel like I am now who I am. Right. But then you have the polar opposite that is, Mm -hmm. I transitioned at 13 and now I want to kill myself because I can't ever go back to who I actually was. And my parents fought this or went along with this. And now I'm this Mm -hmm. child who, was mutilated by the system and I can't go back. Right. And some of it can be, you know, you're supposed to, um, social media has done so much and so much damage, right? That's an understatement. Right. That's done so much for so many people and so much damage at the same time. So literally to me, um, you know, you're going to always have the opposite of what, like for me, I transitioned and I plowed right through it, right? But you're always going to have the opposite of somebody goes, you know what? This wasn't for me. I need to, even as an adult, I've I've had people that I've talked to and I met in person that they, an older adult, they were like, you know, I transitioned and then I just, it didn't feel right, like complete. And so they transitioned. Um, it was somebody that I had known. They had transitioned from... Male to female, and thought, you know, this it wasn't exactly right, and I think I just went above and beyond before I really thought about it. Which is why you're supposed to go to counseling, which is why that's a huge thing, even as a child. If that's something you go to counseling, right, and you figure out all the ins and outs, and the parents can go with you, and then you have the counselor yourself, it it helps, but. They detransitioned. Um, they didn't feel quite right, and they, so they actually wound up being because they had gone through all the the surgeries and stuff that you would go through as someone assigned male at birth um, to be a woman. They had to go, and then they 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 now are known as a trans man. So that literally is something that you know because they detransitioned and they had. Um, you know, uh, bilateral mastectomy and they had things like they no longer, you know, um, had a penis. So it was now this is who I am and now I've got to figure out, you know, so it happens, but a lot of that is due to not having the right counseling or the proper counseling or for long enough, um, not having, um, 
a proper education about, well, there's so much information out there now. I know it's hard to go through, but having a proper education about who you are and where you're going and why you want to do this, that includes having counseling. Um, but it also includes listening to people in your community about hey, you need to make sure this is something you really want to do because this is the consequences of doing this. Now, mind you, you can detransition and you can go back. Me, if I detransition, <laughs> I'm going to be shaving for the rest of my life, right? Um, and now, even if I stop taking hormones, I'm growing hair for the rest of my life. So you really have to think about all it entails and really sit with that with a counselor, with your family, with your friends, and with yourself and make that decision, um, which is why it's important as a parent that you sit with your children and you say, hey, even if they tell you at the age of seven, I think I'm a boy. I think I'm a girl. I think I'm non-binary. Can I explore that? Um Let's say I think I'm a boy. I think I'm a girl. Let them explore that with clothing and toys and things that make them happy that they can legitimately use. But isn't that aren't those all just instruments of things that we've put sex on? Isn't that what we were talking about at the beginning? That clothes. See, but that that but that's just it. If I'd had something that would affirm my gender, right, to what I thought it was. Now, yes, legitimately, I can go out now and be a man in a dress, right? But as a child, they're trying to explore male and female. Like, I think I'm a boy. Okay. Well, boys can do this too. Well, girls can do this too, right? They can have trucks. They can have dolls. They can explore whatever that means to them. I think I might be a boy. Well, what do you think a boy is? What What do you make of the argument that you shouldn't feed into that at all when yeah. they're so young? That that could just confuse them and send them down a path that they might not otherwise go down by playing into it. By playing into it? By saying, okay, let's explore that? Yeah, so if you have a, say you have a boy and mm -hmm. he thinks he's a girl and he's seven years old mm -hmm. and then you start dressing him up like a girl, you start calling him girl names, you start socializing him to be a girl. Mm -hmm. And then maybe he transitions and regrets it or transitions and doesn't. You can't see that part. No, you so can't see that part. you're only at the part. start part. Right. You're at the start part. You're at the... Um... So wouldn't it be better to not do anything and let him make that choice when he's his brain is fully formed enough to be able to understand the gravity of what he's choosing? But that would have left me in a... Well, it did leave me in a quandary because nobody listened to me when I was little. Yeah, but what if it wouldn't have worked out? What if they did listen to you, you did it, and well, you regretted it? Well, if they had just let me wear, you know, boys' clothes and play with boys' things and just let me be, right? Just, just, let, just let your child be <laughs> and just be who they are, right? And if they say, I, 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 I want to, you know, I think I might be a boy. Okay, you know what? Let's try, let, you think, what does that mean to you? That's sitting down with your child and finding out what it means for them to be them. But I don't even know what that means at 25. So if you would have asked me that, I, you could have convinced me to be anything at seven. 
I could convince anybody under 12 to you could convince them to do anything. Right. But see that here's the thing. You're not trying to convince your child to be one way or the other. You're letting them explore different things. Yes, but it's not just your influence with social media, with these Mm -hmm. external things, with teachers. You have people influencing your kids and that can go in one direction or another. You had that. I don't want to point out like bad cases because I know that there are good ones, too. But there was that crazy case of that teacher in Long Island who mm. started calling this girl or referring to her by male pronouns and a male name. Mm-hmm. And the child didn't ask for this. The teacher just started doing this one day. And the child became suicidal, nine years old. Never mm-hmm. wanted to be a boy, never identified it as a boy. None of that. Right. The teacher just decided and had been telling students, oh, you should try being gay or, oh, you should try being the opposite gender. You might like it. And just picked this one ch- this nine-year-old <laughs> girl in fifth grade right, and just went off the wall. And I know terrible. that is a terrible... Horrible. example because it pro- mm-hmm. i would hope that it is where it probably is but shit like that happens and then people latch onto that and then it uh, see, blows and, up. And, and again this is where as a parent um you know if my daughter had said hey you know i think i'm a boy okay let's explore that let's th- uh, what does that mean to you what does being a boy mean to you right and a lot of times at that age it's like oh they get to do all this stuff that i don't get to do right but some of that is like, like for me, if somebody would have just let me be and just said, okay, what clothing are you wearing today? Or what are you doing today? Right. Or letting me explore, but also checking in with me again, right. Saying, okay, so what, what, how are you doing with this? That's the responsibility of a parent. Right. And yeah, I mean, we also, we, like I said, uh, we always groom our children to be how we want them to be instead of them letting them be how they need to be. And if I would have just had the encouragement to just be myself, I was myself anyway, but I, I, I had to live under strict rules. I was Baptist and Pentecostal. I wasn't allowed to be, you know, um, even though my father had just, you know, I had so many contradictory things growing up. It wasn't even funny. But even though my father raised me like a boy and and um, kind of um, taught me all the boy things, when we went to, like, church and stuff, I had to be the girl. And I didn't know how. I, I you know, um, I still refused to wear dresses at that point. But... um I didn't know how to be that. I didn't know how to be one I, it, because it wasn't me, right? But I wasn't allowed to explore that part of me. I didn't have a parent that said, hey, you know what? Let's see how, you, you know, yeah, I want you to, to succeed and stuff in life. But if you legitimately come to me and tell me, hey, I think I'm a boy, I think I'm a girl, then okay, let's talk about that and then if you want to explore that we explore that we explain it to your teachers we do whatever and then if you you're checking in six months down the road whatever year down the road how are we doing with this how is this affecting you do you want to go back no you want to keep going okay you let me know if you want to go back right and i know that that seems weird but um we would let our children explore who they are and it doesn't necessarily mean that we, that they're going to want to transition maybe that uh, uh, later on down in life it's it's being a drag queen they love being able to dress up and perform 
but they don't want to do it full time. Right. Um, that's about performance. That's about, you know, getting up in there and, and just being a different character. There's a lot of times kids will associate somebody different as being a character. Right. So it's being a different character. It's dress up. It's being somebody acting. Right. Um, and I think that if you just kind of like roll with your kids um, and how they feel and their environment, right? They're surrounded by this all the time. And they're surrounded by positive and negative stuff being thrown at them about being queer, right? And so the parent has to, and I know that we have a lot of parents that are bigoted. So we know that that's not going to happen. But we do have you know, parents that are not, but they don't know where to start. This is not something in their purview that they even dreamed of. And especially somewhere up here where you don't have access to that. Um, you don't have access to that kind of, oh, my kid is exploring and I don't know what to do. I don't know where my resources are. Yeah, I can look on the internet, but there's so much crap on the internet. You, do, you don't know where to start. Well, and the internet goes back to social media, ties right. into a lot of kids being socialized one way or another. Right. Instead of finding out, you know, factual and saying, okay, all right, my child said this and this and this. Um, we found some of this, oops, sorry, we found some of this on the internet, but uh, where's our resources? We need to know, we need to understand, we need to figure it out. And whether this is just a, I don't, you know, want to be um, a boy for now. And, uh, you know, and I just want to do this for now because that happens. Well, and I right? can't I can't personally attest to this because I'm not a girl, but that's the thing you hear girls when they hit puberty. It's a rough time and they're uncomfortable in their bodies. Mm -hmm. And how much does that play into the social contagion aspect of these clusters wanting to transition and be a boy? Because then I won't feel as shit as I feel right now. Right. No. And, and, and literally, that's why the requirements for um, counseling, right? But even that, it's so, you could go one time and get put on block. Like the, I agree with the backstops right. that you're talking about. Right. The problem is, is those just aren't as engaged as people would want to believe. Right. There, there seems to be this push the train through mentality once mm -hmm. the child gets on the track. Right. And, but that happens with just about anything that we do with kids. Right. Well, I don't know anything this drastic. True. Um, I mean, this is just something that, um, you know, instead of, of having those communications, instead of um, exploring, instead of researching, it's either people are going and bulging right through that wall, just, just like blaring through it and be like, hey, full bore. Right. And then you've got others that are screeching breaks and, oh, hell no. Right. Because there's not those those preventative and i'm not talking about you know you i'm outlawing any kind of uh you know uh transgender care for any kind of kid um which is what they were trying to do any kind of care um but it's also saying okay these steps have to be met in order to transition right so we have steps at the age of 18 of what has to be met in order to transition. Um, 
What do you mean? What do you mean by that? Not so many. Okay, so not so many um, steps like we used to. Um, back in back in the day, you needed letters. You needed all sorts of stuff. Today, it's um, a requirement to have uh, counseling. Um, or it's supposed, I think the requirement. I can't remember because I know that some doctors won't do the surgery unless you've had mental health. Um, yeah, but again, that could just be you go to a therapist one time and say, I'm trans. No, you literally have to go to a therapist and they have to legitimately talk to you more than once. Well, I don't believe that's true for children then. No, have... it's not. But see, those are the steps that we have to take. When we're transitioning, right, we have to go to a counselor. We have to talk to a surgeon. We have to um, jump through hoops to change our name. We have to – there are certain requirements that need to be done before you get that – you know, you can say you're trans, but, you know, until you get – and, of course, as an adult, it's not as hard to get surgeries and that kind of thing. But there are steps you still have to take. Um like I said, there's a lot of surgeons that will not do your surgery until you've had counseling. A lot, most of them actually, will not do the, your surgery until they know you've had the proper counseling and this is something you you're you realize the consequences for. Um, those consequences of just barreling through the wall and getting it done leaves room for all sorts of problems to happen, right? Um, not thinking about, okay, um, hormone blockers, not thinking about the, their lasting effects, um, not thinking about uh, name changes or how their school is going to be affected or any of that. You just kind of full board it. Well, you're in a tough spot. If you're a parent and your child comes to you at nine years old and says, I'm trans, mm -hmm. you either embrace it and hope right. that they don't choose that this was the wrong decision for them or you go against it and then you get labeled a bigot, a homophobe, right. you get labeled all these things right. and then maybe your kids get taken away from you or they just right. do it anyways. So right. you're in a very tough spot. Right. To, um, uh, what, do you, what do you do? Well, if you're around your kid and you know and you're right. got or you have a strong suspicion, I don't really think this is them. Right. I, I would support them if it was. Right. I don't really think this is my kid. Right. You have no power. That's mm -hmm. The system has overcorrected in one direction so far probably because right. of the countercorrection right that we're just it baffles me how much power we are giving to children right that's not that they shouldn't be able to voice their opinions but they are children yep and it's like everybody has just forgotten right we were all kids i would and have never allowed my shit. daughter to transition as far as if she were to transition um I wouldn't have uh, been okay with surgeries and medical and, intervention. Right, medical intervention. That's where we should. Yeah, if you right. want to play with boys' toys or girls' toys, yeah, that's fine. If you, you want to dress up, you chemically wanna... castrate yourself, maybe we wait till you're 18, and then right. you can understand where that goes. Well, part of the problem is is that even as young adults and teenagers, they are experiencing. Um, dysphoria and dysmorphia they experience that and um you know when you're at um, you're at a place in your life even if you're just still a kid you're at a place in your life where your body is not matching up with your brain and you 
because I know adults who will give anything to be able to afford to have top surgery because they're so dysphoric because their body is not matching up with their brain. And I know that is happening with 12 and 13 year olds. Their body's not matching up with their brain and it's tearing them apart. I don't think anybody really realizes what it's like to have that. And the reason why you would at least want some middle ground, right? At least learning how to use like for assigned female at birth using binders. Yeah, but even binders have consequences. They can mess with your rib cage. They can affect they can. your organs. Like the, mm-hmm. even binders have detrimental effects if it's not the path you really want to go down. That's right. the problem is we're not dealing in, oh, mm-hmm. again, like having ice cream for lunch. Right. Like, yeah, maybe you don't feel that good or maybe you get sleepy, but right. you're going to be okay the next day. These yeah. things have these consequences they and do. people don't want to recognize that mm-hmm. kids are making. It's different if you're 18 or you're an adult right. and you say, yeah, this is me. Right. It's like, okay, cool. Do you support right. that? But kids, kids say the craziest shit. They do. And that's why I think that having those gender roles explored um, and talked about and sat down and discussed um, is important, right? I think that, okay, hey, you want to explore yourself? You're, you're eight, nine years old. You want to explore yourself? This is how we do it, right? This is how we start. It's not making medical decisions. It's not making any of those kind of decisions. It's... Hey, you want to wear this? Okay, so some of them feel comfortable wearing it around home, right? Um, and exploring that way. Others feel comfortable being able to go to school that way. Um, but at least starting in those areas of, okay, so this is what you're trying to explore. Let's explore it this way without any medical intervention in there. And as that relationship progresses with that parent, would hope right that it would continue down the road of okay now if this is the route you want to go this is the consequences of hormone blockers this is the consequences of wearing a binder especially one that doesn't fit properly right um this is you know it's having that relationship with your child and that is a lot of the problem is that we don't have those relationships with our children because we want to put them in the box that we want to put them in, right? And so it's getting better. A lot more parents are being more understanding and explorative and being like, okay. And they're reaching out to the LGBTQ community and asking questions, right? Which is important because. Don't just go on the internet and look up something that's scientific. You ask somebody that's in that community, hey, I've got a question. My child is coming up, and and this is what they want. Um, yeah, but what you, if they give you the wrong advice? Well, this is the thing. It's not necessarily giving advice. It's giving resources, right? And the one thing that we don't have here that we're going to be working on is a community center. We don't have an LGBTQ community center here. Um where we can have live, tangible things, resources for parents to come in and say, oh, I, you know, I, my child is doing this. Or ha- there's queer um, homeless, queer youth homeless. I mean, in, they, we have no place of our own to go to have any kind of like, even if we wanted to have like some sort of 
uh, production or drag show. We don't have that. We don't have something where we have a, a, a an office where someone can come in and look for jobs uh, on a computer or have a book that's right in front of them. Like, oh, now I see. Okay, like a book exchange going on or a small little clothing closet so someone can come in and, and do their little gender thing or whatever. We don't have any of that. So right now, the only thing that we have is parents being able to go on the internet or, you know, having to inquire with a group instead of being able to come in and say, yeah, this is something that we have tangible right in front of you. Here here you go. Here's some books on this, you know, Um, and I know we'd get the donation of books. I know we'd be able to order them. I know we'd be able to do all of that, but um, we don't have that here in Humboldt County. And I don't think, and I think, well, personally, I think that if we don't have those things, if we don't have a community center, if we don't have something tangible, if we don't have something where people can come in and ask a person or find the materials or any of that, or just feel welcome in their own damn space, then we're going to continue to to have a problems with um, kids just doing what they want to do, right? And going back behind a parent's back because they can, right? And because I'm sure they would want their parent engaged, but their parent is stomping their foot and and not listening, right? Because that's against our beliefs, or that's that's not going to happen in my home, or any of that. Well, those are the extremes too. But you mm-hmm. also have the parents that do care right. and just want to watch out for their kid and think right. maybe it's the wrong choice. Right, right. And I and I I completely understand that. And, and there are always going to be consequences to no matter what we do. There's always a, a pro and a con. Right. Like my pro was I'm male. My con is I am no longer considered safe to be around in female company. Right. Because I'm male. So a lot of women don't feel comfortable being in the presence of, 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 you know, strange men or whatever. And, and, and so, because now I'm until I open my mouth, of course. Um, but I'm more seen as a predator Right, so I'm more seen as somebody. Well, I don't know can... that all men are predators. That's no, kind of, I, no, no. I'm more joke. seen as like uh, uh, um... you're in the category with us now. Right, I am, and so women can be more cautious around me. Will you know grab their purse more around me? More was than... that a culture shock when you did Holy transition hell, going from right. I'm a woman in these women's right. spaces versus now I'm a guy in these right. spaces? Right, and so I went for a long time because I I one of the things I don't have. Um, is I don't have a whole lot of uh, cisgendered men that I'm friends with. Um, so, and it, not all cisgendered men are going to go, oh, yeah, I'll answer your questions. No. Um, and then, you know, I spent most of the time doing this transition by myself um, and learning things along the way. So, yes, it was huge for me to realize. <laughs> My mom demonstrated so shortly after my transition and I really started, you know, showing with the facial hair, this is how old I am. And Reading, they had a, a, a Montgomery Wards. Oh, that's a, that is a throwback reference. So, right, Monkey Wards. Um, so uh, we were going in and um, I just went in the door. And I look and I was talking to my mom and I look back, my mom's not near me. She's back outside the doors. And I was like, what? All right, and I come out and I go, uh, everything all right? She goes, well, you know, you're supposed to legitimately now open doors for your mother. 
Oh. Oh. Okay. So, yeah. So that was really it. It was, um, even though brain up here is male and everything else, socialized as female, right? I, there were cues I didn't get. And I was like, am I missing something? I didn't understand, right? That it wasn't me that was the problem. I mean, it, it, it was, but it wasn't, right? It, was, it was, wasn't me that was like, am I doing something wrong? It was literally, you've transitioned into a realm that lots of people don't feel safe in. And it's almost like going to a different culture mm -hmm. and trying to learn, okay, what am I supposed to do in this situation? Mm -hmm. What do I, how do I react? Right. And so there are still sometimes that pop in my head things that I don't know because I'm not cisgendered. So I don't know how things feel. I don't know what it feels like. I don't know um, a lot of things. And so they'll pop into my head and I'm like, yeah, I'm not close enough to any cisgendered man to ever ask those questions. But those are still legitimate questions in my head. And and like I said, I did my transition mostly by myself. Like I had to learn um, by reading and by hanging out with women exactly um, what not to be, right? Um, and, and I never would have been an a-hole to begin with, but that's just not me. But um, I've had to learn to how to rephrase things and – um, well, and even that's a different level of socialization because how right. women would want men to be and how men are probably two right. distinct things. Right. And that's the one thing is that, um, you know, for a lot of reasons, uh, uh, some women tend to find trans men very attractive. It's because it's the male presentation. Um, it's the male... It's kind of like the the a little bit male, a little bit female, right? Because we've been socialized as female, so um, we tend to have better manners and treat women better because we've been in that position, right? So um, we tend to be more attractive to some women because they're like, oh, well, you're male, but you have the socialization and you have a better attitude than a cisgendered man would. So, I had not heard that before. Right. So um, I've always told my friends who keep breaking up with cisgendered men, I'm telling you, get a trans man, it'll be just much better. Which is interesting because trans women have a very hard time mm -hmm. in the cisgender space. Right. Cisgender space? Mm hmm Yeah. Cisgender space is a little difficult to navigate. Even as even my little world is hard to navigate like that. Um, I don't always feel comfortable in a cisgendered space. And the reason is, is because I, it, mostly with men, because I don't know if I'm acting right. And I know that would seem really weird. Like, yeah, you're okay, dude. You're fine. But in my head, um, I was never socialized that way. So I don't know if I'm, you know, um, doing the manly thing. Right. I don't know if I'm acting right. I don't. And I know and that shouldn't be a thing. I should just be able to be me. But at the same time, and I am. But at the same time, I don't know that, you know, something that I've done is something that a cisgendered man would do. Right. 
Well, even just the act of you asking that question is interesting, right? Because mm-hmm. like, I never think about, oh, my, is this how I'm supposed to do this thing? Right. Right. Is this how I'm supposed to do this? Is this how I'm supposed to do that? No, you've been instructed from the time you were born, you know, and then uh, whereas with me, yeah, my dad raised me to be like a boy, but, you know, he socialized me a little bit like that. But literally everything in my life was socialized female. Right. Everything that you do, everything, if they see you have long hair and a chest, that's you're you're being socialized as female, period. Right. They're not going to take into the account that you're not. Um, so I had to learn everything and I'm still learning new things. Right. And that's 25 years later, um, you know, and 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 I'm learning, you know, new terms and, and everything else that that the younger generations bringing up. And I think that it's great that we have those now, um, whereas before it was not something I could ever define myself with. Um, so I think that, um, having those discussions with your children, having a legitimate place where you could take your child and say, listen, we're having an issue, like not necessarily a conflict, but we're having an issue. We don't understand, um, what this is or what this means. Right. And having a community resource to be able to go in and do that with, um, is is very important, right? And then not just for trans people, you know, not just for, but for kids who are exploring how their brain works, teenagers, how their brain works. When they come out as LGBT, Q, IA, I, I mean, it goes on forever. So it's not just drag queens and it's not just transitioning. It is literally coming out as how you see yourself and just being accepted that way. And that's what's up next on the docket for Lost Coast Pride is maybe a community center of sorts? Yeah, um, we'd like to work on that. Um, So right now what's coming up is our April 29th drag show at CR. And then the last weekend in June is our Pride. So the 24th and 25th, I think. Anyway, um, that Saturday is a Pride ride. And it'll go from our... I don't know what a pride ride is. Okay, so we take all of our vehicles and we meet up at the Arcade of Safeway and we put flags on it. We decorate it with rainbow stuff and everything else. And then we drive down the 101. And last year we did uh, went all the way to Ronert Park in Fortuna. And then we just hung out at the park and did a picnic and um, just kind of hung out with everybody. And then it'll probably be the same. Uh, and then the 25th is the um, the Pride March and Festival at um, uh, the Pride March will be in Ferndale and the Pride Festival will be at Fireman's Park. Um, and so those are our big things coming up. But that's what we're working on as a community center, honestly. Um, and if it stays, you know, Eel River Valley and then we have something that's legitimate up in Eureka or whatever, I'm very down for that just providing more resources just providing more resources yeah and and you know and eel river valley is that fortuna and rio del and and everything there and then eureka and arcada and mckinleyville normally have something like i know that they have resources just on a community center right and that needs to happen there as well so that there's legitimate 
center there, and then there's something here. And eventually, Garbettville. I mean, I'd like to have all the entities have something up, right? That's tangible. That would be three different centers, and that would be huge, right? And um, the you know the the one Eureka could be a, a like a main hub for all the stuff there, but the community members and like in Ferndale, right? We we get tourists there all year round from all over the world, right? Not there's a few of them that are queer. So having a center where they could go, um, feel safe, safe space. Hey, look, we've got a place we can go. We can hang out. Um, would be awesome to have a community center there. Um, or Fortuna, for that matter, because that's five, seven miles down the road from Ferndale. But yeah, something like that. Those are the things that we're working on now. Okay. Well, Kayla, this was awesome, man. I really appreciate you coming on. I had a great time talking with awesome. you. Same. Do you want to plug... Again, where people can find all your stuff, where they can find Las Coast Pride. Yeah, Las Coast Pride is on both Instagram and Facebook as Las Coast Pride. Um, and the email that we have is Humboldt's, that's with an S at the end of Humboldt, um, Pride. So Humboldt's Pride at gmail.com. And that's usually how to get a hold of us. Um, but um, yeah, we, we're, we're sticking with just Las Coast Pride on our social media. Everybody seems to be able to find us. So... Um, I'm looking forward to hearing from new people and, and um, hopefully perpetuating some more education in the future. So thank you for having me on here. Absolutely. My pleasure. Lost Coast Pride. All right. Thanks. Thanks.